The story you're about to hear is, at its heart, a love story between two artists and a whole lot of dogs. It's also the story of what it means to follow a dream and the difficulties that, that can bring. Producers Elizabeth Meister and Dan Collison have the story of Vermont artists Stephen and Gwen Hunick and their life's work, a place called Dog Mountain. People will be driving their dogs up, they will get to the bottom of the hill, and the dogs will go ballistic. And as soon as the doors open, dogs would just sprint out. Oh, we're here. They're out jumping into the pond and they're having a ball. My name is John Eyde, Gwen's older brother. When somebody hears about Dog Mountain, it sounds a little bit crackpot maybe, but it's anything but. There are no fences and dogs are welcome. Or as Gwen liked to say, they're not just welcome there, they're cherished. It's a 150-acre natural preserve. Here's Gwen Hunick from an archival interview. Dogs don't have to be unleashed. They can run through the woods. They can swim in the ponds. It's surrounded by this incredible setting. Oh, my gosh, it's breathtaking. The view with the rolling mountains is just beautiful. And it's free, which was very important to both Stephen and I. I'm Kate Sheldon, and this is Baxter. On a perfect day, I mean, what could be better? I'm sure this is exactly what he must have envisioned when he started building this place is just total freedom and happiness and joy. All right, folks, we're going to get on with the dog party contest. Gather around. They have these dog parties where several hundred people will come with their dogs and play. Best singer. We have a singer in the crowd. Otis, what do you think, bud? Want to sing? I'm Don Cherry, we're from Littleton, New Hampshire, and that's Otis. He is, I guess, an Akita and Chow mix and whatever else he could possibly be. <laughs> that is fabulous, Otis! Stephen and Gwen Hunick were married for 35 years. They never had kids, but they always had dogs. They fell in love in art school and made a living for a while as pickers, reselling stuff they found at yard and estate sales. It wasn't until Stephen was in his mid-30s that he taught himself to carve, and that's when he hit it big. He'd stashed a carved folk art angel in the back of his pickup truck. Someone stopped to ask if it was for sale. The guy says, what would you take for this? And Stephen said, a thousand bucks. I didn't expect him to buy it, and he says, I'll take it. The guy was an art dealer from Manhattan and said, when can I get more? And that was what launched Stephen as a carver. And I said, well, then what is the subject matter of what I'm going to do? And I started thinking, and I go, well, wait a minute. I really love dogs. Their dogs were their constant companions. Every time they went to the store, every time they walked anywhere, their dogs would just constantly be right behind them. And when they made a bundle selling a rare Native American relic they'd found at an estate sale, they used the money to buy 150 mountaintop acres on a dirt road outside St. Johnsbury, Vermont, the future Dog Mountain. I first met Gwen and Stephen back in 1995. My name is Darcy McCann. I'm executive director of the Northeast Kingdom Chamber of Commerce based out of St. Johnsbury. They had an old farmhouse up on the hill there, and we had a wonderful 
port side visit where we talked in great detail about this concept for Dog Mountain. Stephen used to describe everything with grand gestures, you know, his hands waving and pointing and down here I want to do the ponds where the dogs can come in and any dog can come here and it'd be just like a park to them. There were times where he would just catch fire with energy for a project. They blazed new dog paths, stocked the grounds with tennis balls and toys, and tucked carvings of purebreds and mutts at every turn. He would just be revved up and he channeled it into enormous productivity. I cannot work hard enough. I'm constantly bursting out with these things all the time. I think it should be acknowledged that Stephen and Gwen both had issues with depression. And I think actually bipolar disorder. They had these epiphanies and these visions of what the next stage was. I'm a dreamer. I dream I don't think Stephen ever thought in the scope of business plans, no. Visions, dreams, ideas, but not business plans. That was not his way. A A really pivotal point in Stephen's life was he fell down a flight of stairs and broke some ribs. And within a day, developed adult respiratory distress syndrome, which is apparently fatal half the time, and was on life support for several months. I had to learn to walk again, and my dogs really took care of me. As I progressed, we would go for short walks in the woods and then longer. He was walking with his dogs on Dog Mountain, and it just popped into his head. Build a chapel for dogs. I wanted a place where people that had lost their dogs to be able to get rid of some of their grief. I remember when Gwen first told me that they were gonna build this dog chapel. And I thought, well, that's kind of (laughs) nutty. And I think she did too, at first. Because building a dog chapel is fine, but not if you're a quarter of a million dollars in debt from medical bills. You know, dogs are great, but you gotta eat. Took three years, because we kept on running out of money. It was like heat, or a chapel, food, or a chapel. And they often chose materials for the dog chapel, which was a struggle. Hi, I'm Stephen Unit, and I'm the nut that built the world's first dog chapel. In somebody else's hands, it could have been kind of goofy, but in Stephen's hands, it's extraordinary. It's sort of perfect. We're in the vestibule of the Dog Chapel. The Dog Chapel, it's a small New England-style chapel with a steeple on top with stained glass windows. Outside of the chapel, there's a, a sign, and it says, Welcome, all creeds, all breeds, no dogmas allowed. It's a sacred space, but it's not really a religious space. When you first walk in, you see that there's pews, just like there would be in a normal chapel, but then when you look close up, you see that there's dogs on either end of them. They imagined that people would be able to leave notes, little pictures, photos, remembrances of pets that they had loved and, and lost. And they thought, you know, maybe someday that wall would be filled. And now every square inch of this chapel is covered and recovered and recovered with remembrances. It's very, very touching to see. 
Memories of the dogs in my life. Debbie for her constant tail wagging. Tony, you were a bad dog. We loved you anyways. Ruffles. He said that the Dog Chapel was his largest and most personal artwork, and it really is. It's a masterwork. My love of life little flipper gone but not forgotten. It's a tribute to all the things that Stephen saw in dogs, you know, trust and love and so on. But I think it's also a tribute to a way of being in the world that perhaps dogs represent or embody. And our um, Morgan lived for 15 years with us. And I'm going to put up a card in her memory. In memory of Morgan, our dear companion, for 15 joyful years, you are with us always, David and Linda. Up in the north, come visit Stephen Hunick's Dog Chapel in St. Johnsbury. Things were going quite well for them for a while. They had a significant staff of artisans working at Dog Mountain. An homage to everything canine and a chance to pay respects to those furry friends. We had thousands of people coming in looking for Dog Mountain. It was almost like a pilgrimage. People were coming from Germany. They were coming from Asia. Oprah did something. Good Morning America, NBC. Just about everybody did something on it. His home is surrounded by his art. Dogs and cats, both live and carved, reign over the property. The icon of Stephen's woodcut work and the books that came from those is Sally, the Black Lab. And Sally was Stephen's and Gwen's beloved companion. I did a book called Sally Goes to the Beach, and that was a New York Times bestseller. If you've ever taken a kid to a library, you've probably seen these books. They're full of blocky, colorful images of Sally the Black Lab. Iconic, cheerful, and popular. Sally goes to the beach. Something is happening. I can feel it in the air. Then I see the suitcase. We are going away. We are going on vacation. Stephen did a whole series of Sally books, and the proceeds from these books and the posters, prints, and paraphernalia that accompanied them paid the bills. They just flowed out of me. That was it. I cannot wait for tomorrow. The end. Hi there, and thank you for joining us. It's not a word that financial experts use lightly, but a lot of them are using it today. Panic. We'll look at why more people are now predicting a worldwide recession. The thing that really knocked things over was the recession in 2008. And when there's a recession, people don't buy art. The economy is terrible, especially for an artist. So when the financial crisis hit, it's not like our orders petered out. It's just like everybody just stopped. So our, our income went from quite a bit to zero. And consequently, we couldn't pay our property taxes. The town of St. Johnsbury was threatening a tax sale. My name is John Hall. I'm the town manager of St. Johnsbury, Vermont. There was a lot of pressure being put on those who were delinquent out of necessity by the town to recoup its tax money. We tried to work something out with the town, and they just said, well, come up with $50,000. You just can't tell somebody, you know what, we're going to forgive your taxes because you're a good guy. That we can't do. So that was a real fear that it was going to be sold off for taxes. The wolf was at the door. They finally had to lay off pretty much everybody, which for Stephen felt like a, an enormous defeat and failure, and it was hard to recover from.
One of Vermont's most famous artists is dead, and his fans around the world are shocked. I'm Stephen Amanda Hunick McDermott, and I'm creative director at Dog Mountain. Stephen Hunick, who is best known for his paintings and carvings of dogs, took his own life last week. He used to make this morbid comment to all his employees that the only good artist is a dead artist. And art experts that we talked with say that they expect there will be a spike in interest and prices for Stephen Hunick's original work following his death. And the sad thing, there is this bitter truth to it because when Stephen passed, it was like 500 orders that day. The next day, 400 more orders. People were flooding to the gallery looking for anything that he had signed, anything that they felt would have had more value. Honestly, by him, I mean, this is so sad, but by him committing suicide, it brought all this attention to Dark Mountain. So I thought of that as the only way that he could think of to save Dog Mountain, to save me, so I have a roof over my head. So I see it as a gift, really. Not a gift I would have chosen, but a, a gift. At Stevens Memorial, which was a dog party, but also a memorial occasion, the Unitarian minister from St. Johnsbury read Sally Goes to Heaven, which was Stephen's last book. Sally Goes to Heaven. Sally wakes up when she hears the front door close. She thinks to herself that she's been sleeping a lot. There was a moment where Brendan, the, the minister, started to choke up, and uh, he was having trouble continuing. It was a window into her old house through which she could look, look any time. And Gwen smiled and came over and comforted him, <laughs> which was lovely. Looking through the window. Oh, thank you, Gwen. <laughs> Gwen greatly dreaded, feared Dog Mountain going under. She felt as if she would have failed Stephen. There was a period of getting her feet back under her, but I don't think for a moment she considered chucking it all. I mean, that was their life's work. I want to keep his legacy alive and keep Dog Mountain going, and I've really dedicated myself to that because that's what Stephen would have wanted. I'm a dreamer. I dream a lot. Gwen was living alone with her two dogs, came outside to discover that they had gotten into the wasp's nest, and they'd been stung to death. It's hard for me to um, imagine the, the shock of that for her, because without them, you know, she really was alone in her home. And in a way, I suppose they were a last link to, to her life with Stephen. My name is Allie Ide and I am the niece of Gwen and Stephen. In May of 2013, Gwen and the Dog Mountain team were going out to New York for several events, and I asked Gwen if she would be willing to do some interviews with me. After he committed suicide, we still weren't sure whether we were going to be able to make it sustainable. The resurgence in sales after Stephen's death had faded. There was no new dog art to sell, and there was a lot riding on this trip. They had scheduled a series of promotional events that Gwen had really 
pinned a lot of uh, high hopes on, to a point that, in honesty, seemed unrealistic. There's a will, there's a way. That's we're right. very determined, and we're going to make it work. Some of the events didn't go as well as I think she was hoping. So it almost seems like she got home and looked around and said, oh, my goodness, um, I'm right back where I was, back on the treadmill. She really crashed and became quite depressed. And um, within three weeks, uh, she was, he was gone. Tragedy has hit twice at a Northeast Kingdom tourist attraction just three years after her artist husband took his own life. Gwendolyn Hunick of Dog Mountain was found dead Sunday morning just before her 62nd birthday. I didn't see it. I did not see it. She came in, into my office, was speaking about having some difficult times at the mountain. She was laughing and joking about it, though. It was nothing out of the ordinary. My name is Jill Brown, and I started working at Dog Mountain in June of 2006. She wrote Amanda and I notes, and in my note, she just said that doing this without Steve had become joyless. She just wanted Steve. She only ever just wanted Steve. My name is Jill Brown, and I'm the general manager of Dog Mountain. This is the first dog party that we've thrown without Gwen, and it's difficult. When Gwen died, it could have been the train wreck to end all train wrecks. Dog Mountain could have gone down the tubes in a week. The banks were circling. <laughs> Literally, I mean, the day after Gwen died, there were meetings. There's a print that Stephen did. It's one of Gwen's favorite prints, and it says, dogs can heal a broken heart. Dogs just, they step up to the plate when needed. The day we found out that Gwen had passed away, my dog, Calvin, didn't leave me alone. He was by my side the entire time. I inherited Sally, Gwen's puppy, after Gwen had passed, and uh, I couldn't even imagine going through the pain without Sally to hug and to kiss and to just squeeze, 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 squeeze. If I didn't have Sally, I, I don't know how I would have got through it. This, this is now our labor, labor of love, love and, and it is our, our commitment, commitment to, to keep Stephen's legacy, legacy going. going. It's what Gwen worked, worked for. That's what we're all working for. So thanks again. It's almost like a point of honor. The honorable thing to do is to do what we can to help Dog Mountain survive. Would you want to be the brother that let it crumble? I'm Wendy Bergeron. I'm from New Boston, New Hampshire. The first time we came to Dog Mountain, we brought Bergen, who's here with us now, who's 12, and um, Rowan. And a year ago, we lost Rowan. He's been tough for us to get over. I don't know that we ever will. So it's been a year ago tomorrow, and I got permission from Dog Mountain to bring his ashes up so we could spread his ashes. And um, so it's a gift for us to be able to do this because this is heaven. Dog Mountain, the Dog Chapel, the art, are the source of enormous healing and joy and peace and 
maybe the kind of sensitivity that's required to bring that vision into the world, you know, the other side of that is maybe sometimes you see and feel too much. Someone could look at Stephen Gwen's life and say that it cost them dearly, that they took risks that in the end they paid for with their lives. There's truth to that, I guess. But if you were to ask them, would they have traded it for anything? And the answer is no way, not a chance. Yeah, it cost them. But my goodness, what satisfaction and what nourishment and sustenance and joy and happiness they also derived from creating Dog Mountain. Imagine you've built this, you've created Dog Mountain, you've created the Dog Chapel, and you throw a dog party, and hundreds of people come with their dogs, and it's just glorious, and they are having one of the happiest days of their lives, a day that they will remember forever, and you've made that happen. That's worth something. Dog Mountain, A Love Story, was produced by Elizabeth Meister and Dan Collison for Long Haul Productions, with funding from the National Endowment for the Arts and KCRW's Independent Producer Project. Thanks to Josephine Foster for her music, and to Benjamin and Catherine Omquist for their reading of Sally Goes to the Beach. And a special thanks to John Ide and his family, to Darcy McCann, and to all the Dog Mountain staff. And a shout-out to Fern and Dovke, Sedge, Reiki, and Eoc.